Welcome to another special edition of the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Kate Calusiestes, one of the pastors on staff. Our ministry of worship continues even though the circumstances around the COVID-19 pandemic have caused us to cancel our in-person gatherings for the time being. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open and affirming congregation. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our messages, we hope that you will find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your journey of faith. We invite you to listen with us now. There must be someone in your life who says your name in a way that feels safe. It feels like home. I'd love if while you are listening, you think about who that is and you share that with us. Because we want to know who holds your name in their hand and in their mouth that it feels like home to you. So share it in the chat with us so that we can celebrate that with you. And now listen to this text from Mark. Then Jesus began to teach the disciples, the human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and legal experts, and be killed, and then after three days rise from the dead. He said this plainly, but Peter took hold of Jesus and scolded him and began to correct him. And Jesus turned and looked at the disciples and sternly corrected Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. And after calling the crowd together with the disciples, Jesus said to them, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, all, but all who lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will save them. Why would people gain the whole world but to lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation the human one will be ashamed of that person when they come in the Father's glory with the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Juliet famously poses this question to Romeo with lines often remembered as some of Shakespeare's most romantic in a scene fraught with tension as they realize the one who they have each noticed with interest is the one they could never marry because of the deep animosity between families. And despite Juliet's question, names aren't meaningless. Shakespeare repeatedly brings up the power and weight a name can carry throughout many of his works. When we encounter Jesus and the disciples, they've just fed a great crowd 
with a mere seven loaves of bread, Jesus has restored the sight of a blind man with his touch, and the disciples have confessed to Jesus they believe him to be the Messiah, their deliverer. And then here we are, after that great, amazing conviction on their part, and Jesus tells them, okay, but also, we're about to suffer and die. You can almost hear them think, holy cow, what have we gotten ourselves into? It's easy to think in this moment that Jesus was put on the earth to suffer and die. But when we look at those moments that come before this, all of Jesus' actions are not about suffering and death. And all that he calls upon the disciples to do and participate in, all of those are life-giving and life-affirming acts. The disciples have attached themselves to Jesus not just because of his charisma or that inexorable pull on their lives when he called them by name, but also because they were looking for a leader to help them overthrow their oppressors, the religious elite and the powers of Rome. And in the midst of this revelatory moment, Peter, who, you know, we originally met and his name was Simon, he pulls Jesus aside and he says, hey, rein that in. Or as our text says, he scolded or rebuked or reprimanded or chided him. I suspect it sounded a little like, hey, you know, you're scaring them, and if you keep this up, they're going to leave before we accomplish our goal. Now, we sit here two millennia after the resurrection, and it's hard for us to hear how painful that would have been to this band of merry men, the depth of the bad news that the disciples might have heard. Peter gets a bad rap here. Jesus gives him a famous, very public rebuke. Can you imagine what that moment must have been like where Peter had pulled Jesus aside, but Jesus, in this moment of frustration that everyone needed to hear what was coming, he basically calls Peter Satan himself in front of everyone. It's then, though, that Jesus gets to the point. He tells all who are gathered, the disciples and the whole crowd, that he is about divine things and not human ones, that to follow him is a big commitment. Abram finds, too, that a call by God can have a lot more challenges than one initially bargains for. We've re-encountered Abram here after the birth of Ishmael to Hagar and her encounter in the wilderness with the divine, who says that her offspring, too, will be counted in multitudes. But I love how this encounter begins. God invites Abram for a walk. Now, it's really more than a walk, though. It's an invitation to a new way of life, to following God and living in to the life of being one of God's chosen. We find God reaffirming the promises and covenant made years before, and Abram falls before God in acquiescence. 
not just acquiescence, but obeisance, a profound deference and deep respect falling all the way onto his face. God renews the divine covenant made with Abram, promising to make him ancestor to nations, to great leaders. All of this, both Jesus' call to take up our cross and Abram's walk with God, they're about identity. We're living in a time where our identity, or maybe in the common parlance, our brand is our calling card. Who we are, what we say, what we post on social media is part and parcel of what the world sees. We live in a time strange juxtaposition really, where the claiming of the name of Christian is fraught with political overtones and means something very different than simply being a follower of Jesus. Words have meaning though, and names, names have power. Whether it's a quote from a fantasy author saying the first rule of magic, don't let anyone know your real name because names have power, to the harmful dehumanization of dead naming trans men and women. What are some of the times that you can think where names had real power, where calling your name was really powerful? Tell us about it. Put it in the chat. We want to know. Throughout Genesis, and in particular, we see names changed or enhanced or given to babies that are on the way. In that story of Hagar's flight into the wilderness, she encounters God, who also gives her the name of the child she is about to bear, Ishmael. And a few short chapters after this, Jacob Abram's grandson will wrestle with a divine messenger throughout the night and in the morning is christened with a new limp and a new name. Genesis is just one of the places that is filled with new names and new purposes. We see the power of names in lots of different ways. Years ago in my office on campus, I had a piece of art on the wall that was Arabic calligraphy of the 99 names for God. The imagery on the bulletin that you got in your email today is a drawing of what they expected the 9-11 memorial to look like in an article in the New Yorker about how they determined where to put the list of names of the lives lost on that fateful day how they were grouped, not simply by plane or tower, although that was part of it, but by work friends or who they were with as they tried to escape the smoking and burning building. Just this week, I heard an article on NPR that mentioned the AIDS quilt. The Names Project, which is the official name of the AIDS Quilt Project, is the custodian of the AIDS Memorial Quilt, which is the largest ongoing community arts project in the world. It's dedicated to remembering the name of each person who died in the AIDS pandemic that began in the 1980s. Both the quilt 
and the Vietnam Memorial were mentioned as a part of a larger story about how we might memorialize this last year of pain and sorrow and recognize the lives of those lost to COVID. All of those are memorials that center on the names of the lives lost and a reminder that each of those names has someone who loved them, a story of who they are, the things they loved. As you're hearing on NPR this week, the music that they loved and millions and millions more things about each and every one of them that God knows. I was struck by a prayer I read this week by an Episcopal priest in Michigan where she shared that it would take a full year of praying one name per minute, 1,500 names per day, to pray for everyone who has died from COVID in the last year. Names are powerful, and there are a half a million names lost in this country in this last year to a virus we are still struggling with. And yet, even in the midst of this global health pandemic, we are fighting another plague that has far too long been a scourge on our society. Systemic racism continues to dehumanize people of color, and from the loss of names during the time of enslavement to the Black Lives Matter chant, say her name, in recognition of the black women who have died at the hands of law enforcement. Names are powerful. I suspect that most of you can remember the names of many of the men whose names have made the news after the tragic deaths at the hand of law enforcement. I suspect, though, that there's only one woman's name that you could come up with because we have been chanting her name since last April. We rarely remember the names of the black women, not, and don't even get me started, on the trans women of color who have died tragically for years. As a part of the renewal of the covenant, God changes Abram and Sarai's names to reflect this promise of children and the many generations that will come from them. These new names, Abraham and Sarah, come with a new purpose and a new identity, attention to these new names, to any names, are a reflection on our value system. How many of you have had your name butchered by someone who didn't take the time to pay attention to think about how to say it? Trust me, it's happened to me a lot. How many times, though, have you chosen maybe not to say someone's name because you were afraid you would mispronounce it? Both in this story in Genesis and our encounter with Jesus in Mark's gospel, we see activity that points to the restoration of the broken and the outcast. Jesus tells the gathered crowd that to follow him, they must take up their cross. But taking up our cross is akin to that moment in Spartacus, right? Where every man along the road says, I am Spartacus. 
but it's so much more than that. Taking up our cross is to do as Jesus did and stand in the midst of the pain of the world and feel it, and to spend time and energy in alleviating it. So this is not a call to wallow in the darkness of the suffering and subsequent death of Jesus, seeing only the death on the cross. This is an opportunity. This is our chance to practice wholeness, to recognize things like the power that evoking a name can have to draw out emotion to practice the small kindnesses when we work to get someone's name right, to say the names of those lost to violence and white supremacy over 400 years of our history, to learn some of the 500,000 names lost to a virus, many of which could, be prevent, could have been prevented to honor someone by calling them the name they ask you to call them. To hear our own names called by God and trust that picking up our cross is a commitment to the healing of humanity, all while recognizing that sometimes that comes at a great price. To take that walk with God and hear God call our name in a new and different way, in a way that feels safe, in a way that feels like home. In the name of the Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer, amen. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. We would normally invite you to worship with us in person on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. But while we weather the storm of the COVID-19 pandemic, we invite you to worship with us live on Facebook or YouTube. And please visit our website, covpresatl.org, for more information as well as our full archive of recorded services to learn more about us and to get in touch with us. We wish you well in these times of upheaval. Grace and peace to you.